Welcome to iPodcast Magic Missile, where we play games and talk geek. Broadcasting every week from the New River Valley in the beautiful mountains of Southwest Virginia, we bring you audio from some of the most exciting games, new and old. No actual wizard spells here, just actual play from great games. This is iPodcast Magic Missile. Not been a huge success in causing Warhammer games. Not been a huge success in causing Warhammer sales. <laughs> well, that's kind of the point. Yeah. What is Hammerheads? It's a. Um, I wanted to put a discount on Games Workshop models just because, like, with the recent price increases, it's gotten very, very hard to buy. But the. Um, I was concerned. Or I wanted to get something back for it. I didn't want to just discount it all. So what I decided to do was make this program where people can commit to being in the store for a four-hour block. Okay, so that you can get tournament play and encourage people to play. Yeah. And the idea is you're just you're just obligated to hang out and play a game with anyone who asks you within that time frame. Um, and we put you on a calendar so people and put your army on a calendar so people know when they can find you. <laughs> it's actually on our Google Calendar. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's pretty cool, and in actually. exchange for that, you get 25% off all Games Workshop products. Making wow. it nearly expensive. Yeah. <laughs> we, we also have a store army, which I donate to the store, mm-hmm. that though I still need to make the Castellan Crow or whatever mini assemble. Um, but so people who wanted to learn 40K could come in and like play a small game against any of the Hammerheads without the Hammerheads having to Spot them an army. Yeah. We assumed that the... Um, a lot of people assumed that the purpose of the program was to try and create more games, more opportunities for people to play, like, pickup games and, like, learn the game and stuff like that. But actually, no. The discount was the original goal. Ah. I just wanted to get something that I... Figure out something I could get from people in exchange for this discount, so I wasn't just doing it for nothing. Uh, but I was perfectly happy to give people a 25% discount to cause them to start buying Games Workshop models at all. Yeah. Because there's... Your um, it decimates my profit. In fact, it, it, it more than it, it that eats up that twenty five percent eats up more than half the profit on Games Workshop stuff. But, but it's it's still a profit, and you're moving merchandise, and you're getting people in the store. And we're trying to ride this. We're trying to ride. We've decided we're pretty much going to see if we can ride the Games Workshop roller coaster to the other side of the trough. <laughs> <laughs> we made the commit. We decided to make the commitment to try and stick with this bad idea. <laughs> Until it becomes a good idea again. Because what is going to happen, what seems like it has to happen, is the game will experience some kind of crash and, and then eventually come back out the other side, slice it, sold to somebody else. It's the most popular all-purpose, like, you know, hobby game hobby in the world. Yeah. I can, I'll can. i never forget when I asked my game, when I mentioned to my Wizards of the Coast sales rep, so you guys are basically the biggest game company, right? And he said, well, unless you count Games Workshop. And I was like, why wouldn't you count Games Workshop? And he said, because who could compete with that? They are like three times as big as number two. In the... In, if, if, when you, if you roll all tabletop and miniatures and collectible cards and the whole thing that I do, my entire like store, into one big ball, Games Workshop is 50% of it Ooh. worldwide. It I is didn't, massive. I didn't realize it outsold Magic. Oh yes, mm-hmm. that that blows my mind. Yeah, that's hardcore. Magic does a lot of volume, but their packs aren't very expensive. Oh, it's been, it's, it's also, also because of the, big the secondary market is probably does a way better overseas. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They they yeah. love it. And I, I saw a ton of Games Workshop stuff 
when I was in Europe. It's very it's very global. It's, it's actually for not a thing that you're looking for when you kind of go around, you know. That said, I well, don't I think uh, promoting the hammerheads is a dragging new people in is a bad thing. No, no it's a win-win. But I don't think any of the other people who work at the store have been pushing it quite as hard as I have. Do any of them play? Huh? Do any of them play? No. So that's the thing. We are separate. Oh well. I push it anytime I see someone who's a new player, or someone who's like, looking. I'll do it. Someone is like looking at the models and then like yeah. talking to the players. I'll be like, you know, we've got this Hammerheads program. If you want to come in and learn the game, we've got three people now who I, are dedicated to doing that. I need to make uh, T-shirts too. Like I need to get those T-shirts made because I actually Ethan made me a Hammerheads logo. Nice. Yes. Like way before yeah. I made the Fun and Games logo, he did this one for free. Like. It's kind of a work study thing, and it looks really good. Like it would look awesome on a T-shirt. Is this gonna... is this forty k? It was fantasy and forty k. Both. both okay. Yeah, either one is good enough. We're just we don't we don't have a store army for fantasy, so it's a little uh, a little harder to push that on newbies, mm -hmm. as it were. But it's a lot less popular a game, unfortunately. Um, Not necessarily. The strike is being the better of the two games. I think everyone here would probably agree that fantasy is better. For <laughs> Like the logo and all that stuff. Oh, it tends to oscillate a little bit. Okay. Also. Yeah, depending on in like terms your, of like rules design, it tends uh, to oscillate. It would be a bit. wonderful if I could get it before Thanksgiving because I might actually have okay. some chance to work on Fluff the website over the break. Okay. Fluff-wise, I'll try and I'll try and make fun. sure I do that. Yeah, fantasy yeah. fluff is kind of crap compared to forty k. Fantasy fluff. fluff is like oh yeah, forty k. Like Lord of the Rings with even more troops. <laughs> I don't know. I've I've forty k fluff is epic. It's, it is it's a metal. Too <laughs> epic. I honestly like 40k fluff being as epic as it is. It's one of the few fluff universes that goes back like m millennia before it even sp takes place. Have you guys seen the TV trips page for 40k? Like no. it starts with, like in the grim darkness of uh, in the dark grimness of the grim dark. <laughs> <laughs> the most <laughs> epic copywriter ever. There was also orcs. <laughs> Uh, no, he's a trope namer for a bunch of tropes, including Grimdark. Yeah. My so, biggest I mean, issue with it is that, like, every single unit, and maybe this is mostly just the Eldar, it's not as bad in the Tau books, but... It's mostly just the Eldar. <laughs> no, it's not. It, like, every other entry in the Tau They books, are pretentious-ass motherfucking yeah, space elves. Like, dying with Antissa. Every... <laughs> Every single entry is like, these guys are the best guys ever at everything forever, and they're more awesome than anybody else who ever was or ever will be. And then the next entry is the same thing, except it's different guys maybe, being awesome at everything. Everyone's just writing their own weak history. Where it's like, these guys are the worst guys, so they make a unit of worst guys. These guys think that rockets on hammers are good ideas for some reason. <laughs> They're orcs, it actually works. Not because they believe in that. These guys actually believe in enforcing discipline on their unit. <laughs> They're called well, weird orcs. They're <laughs> just the, dorks. The Tyranid codexes aren't like that, but they're written from the, the Imperium's perspective. Yeah. I really Which like them, explains why like, they're not the best at everything. Like, we chopped one of these open. <laughs> <laughs> There's delicious, delicious candy inside. That's not how no. Tyranids work. <laughs> Somebody thought that candy looked delicious, and then they found out it was acid, not the drug. <laughs> or possibly, like, the, a chestburster. The, yeah. the big difference between the Warhammer and the fa fantasy and 40k fluff, I think, is that 40k has a singular narrative that is moving forward. I mean, like, everything else is branched off of the story of the Imperium right. of Man. Yeah. Fantasy doesn't, ha doesn't treat the Empire with that same centralized focus. It's the story of a world. It's the difference between 
uh, a story like a like a RPG and microscope, like yeah. we did the one time. The story of Warhammer Fantasy is everybody in Warhammer Fantasy's story. The story of Warhammer 40K is the Space Marines and and really the Emperor's story. Everyone else exists to be in like his sandbox. It's the Tyranid story. Everybody else exists to be in their stomach. See, I always thought it was Slanesh's story because he plays a central part in the Eldar and the creation of the Eye of Terror and Chaos. And is the Emperor, probably. I'm going to throw that out there. She might no, be. It's completely unbased. The thing but, that you were saying before about how the uh, the narrative of, or like every unit is like, these guys are the best because of X. These guys are the best because of Y. The, um, in fantasy, the expression of that is that every army book says why, or at least all the bad guys army book, says why this army will eventually overtake the world and conquer everything. Yeah. Orcs will eventually overtake the world and conquer everything because they're just so vast and, like, impossible to exterminate. <laughs> and chaos will eventually overtake the world because they infect everything and turn it chaotic. And ogres will eventually overtake the world because as soon as they start migrating in greater numbers, nothing can stand before them. They don't actually. You don't actually outnumber the ogres. You just outnumber the ogres where you live. <laughs> that, the speaking of chaos, that actually reminds me of one of my big forty k pet peeves. You almost never see non-human chaos. Yeah. Like. Well, humans are particularly easy to, co army. to corrupt. Mm -hmm. It's true. I said and tau chaos army. Tau can demons. Yeah. Oh, no, I have Chaos Dwarves in, oh. like, my fantasy yeah. chaos. Well, the, the, the Tau yeah. can't have Tau an interaction be. with Chaos because right. they're not chaos, well, they're not warp entities. That's acceptable, but there should mm. be, you know, chaos dwar or, or Orcs and chaos Elves. Mm. There was one there picture of a couple orcs. of... There were, like, a handful. They were in the old Demon Book, Demon yeah. Hunter book, but there were, yeah. they were one picture in the Demon Hunter book. It is the story of, of the Imperium. It's the story of the Imperium man. No, I think he's same. talking about fantasy, actually. No. no. Oh, okay. I'm general. not talking about either particularly. Well, there's also either way. It, it's, yeah. it's generally the story yeah. of, of squats also are an of mankind, <laughs> and the traitor the traitor legions were a big deal, and mm -hmm. so most of the chaos fluff is centered on the traitor legions. So I think that's what, another reason why you see mostly human chaos. Chaos Space Marines are still Space Marines. They're not yeah. going to suffer the Xeno to live either. So mm -hmm. I don't think... It's not like they accept, you know, crude cultists into their ranks. Yeah, they do I, have beast I would still expect there to be, like, uh, Dark Eldar and Eldar yeah. craft worlds well, that got caught in the Eye of Terror and everyone could, got converted instead that's, of just killed. That's resting on the argument that Cain isn't corn. And that Slanesh didn't Which, consume the souls of the Eldar. Well, didn't Slanesh consume the souls of the Eldar? I think yeah, she means the, all of them. The, the, the Eldar <laughs> think that she does. Whether they actually, she actually does or not is debatable. Like, it's oh, never right. explicitly said. It's just Eldar belief. Which is why they trap them in their souls in spirit stones. And, I, mean, I, think of, I think of Dark Elves and Dark Eldar as Chaos Elves. Like, I, personally, I don't make a differentiation because I'm mm. of the opinion that Cain is corn. Yeah. If you well, look at a mark of cane, it's a, a of... mark of corn with like one less thing. And yeah. It's actually just like pointier. cauldron of blood. <laughs> yep. It's just pointier. And that's the only difference. Stabbing people yep. and drinking their blood and murdering them. And... See, that's an argument I could get. Yeah. I didn't know this was controversial. Just because they don't wear the money. You'll say about Warhammer people. A lot of people like will go. Uh, a, lot, a lot of guys, especially in fun games, especially among dark elf players, funny enough, like will take you to the mat on corn and cane are distinct entities. I don't understand it either. Well, I mean, I'm sure that's a good argument for it. I just like well, 
to me, like, I just, like, I think I probably just, like, misread it. <laughs> and, like, I can I see the Eldar not following It's italicized. A whole other second, though. Like, but how come none of them follow, like, Nurgle or Zinch? Well, they probably wouldn't follow Nurgle because that's not how they yeah. roll. They're still elves. Yeah. Yeah. He's and Mickey. <laughs> I don't and know some of them follow, follow Slaanesh, for example. You may know that some elves follow Slaanesh. In fantasy, sure. Well, so, they could do the same time out for a moment. I think the problem is that, that people that play elves want to feel like they're special snowflakes because elves. Yeah, Yanni. Yes, that's totally <laughs> why I play that. <laughs> and so the thought that they might just be one of one arm of the Chaos Horde would probably really deeply upset them because they're just better than everyone else. Yeah, I'll be honest, reading the Eldar Codex really made me want to just like flip the table. <laughs> it made me really glad that I get to the shoot codex. them all every now and again. <laughs> you should read the Grey Knights Codex. Because I, people on the internet love to give that fluff shit. Yeah. But... I don't know. I kind of love it because it's super badass. Because like, Kaidor like, Drago gets sucked into the Eye of Terror and then starts like punching bloodthirsters in the face. Isn't and that Matt Ward's work? Yes, oh, and gosh. it's beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful, and I love it. He yeah. kicks in the door to Corn, the god of combat's mansion, and beats him up like on the weekly, and then leaves <laughs> rather than kill him so that he'll be around for him to fight the next day. What is he an orc? <laughs> See, okay, I, I definitely have he to read like it a only boss. so I can that feel better about scary. playing Elder. That's amazing. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I assume that's hyperbole, right? It's more like on the yearly. I mean, time kind of blurs together in the war. The future is the Did past. they actually write that he ever did that I, once? I don't th- no, he no. didn't he didn't actually beat up corn literally. That's good. Okay. That's but good. he does he does live in the eye of terror, kicking greater demons' asses all day long because there's nothing he loves more. And there's and, none and of the then, other... like pops out of the warp to lead Grey Knights at randomly generated instances. <laughs> and he's like, Hey, I'm here! Surprise! <laughs> but next battle! Ass. This is some regular nub battle for nubs. I'm back. I'm going back to the eye chair. And then, uh, and then, you know, like none of the for some reason none of the big four deign to bend down and pick up Caldor Drago and punt him back to you know the way oh, of the They living. couldn't because of the Aegis. Unless the of the Aegis. he's already the special rule. A, unless he's a servant of corn, and that's why that corn's nah, okay with it. Unless he got he's a great knight. Great knights can't be servants of corn. Mm. It's messed up. Is that a thing that happens? Uh, no. Cal Drogo is a similar name. That's true. I know. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I just. I, so actually, this if if like when you have to be out of here in a half hour. But this actually is sort of a seed potentially of an interesting discussion, and that is like when a lot of our games that we play, whether they be minis games or computer games or tabletop games or whatever, or even like Magic, have um, really deep, compelling, or not compelling. Deep, well, well, sort of developed worlds that they that they. Uh, compelling, yeah. Even if it's a ridiculous. Well, no, 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 no. But some of them aren't. The, the point I was trying to make is that, like, so, and a lot of people complain about, like, we play a lot of games here that have, like, we create the world on the fly as we play. Like, they have all that, like, because one of the problems, especially this is a problem with the old world of darkness, and now you can back me up on this, is that like there were established plot lines, and like so. Or even maybe even Star Wars, there are established things in the universe, and you don't want to muck with them as a player because this is supposed to happen at this point, and this battle is supposed to take place, and this house is supposed to win, and this house is supposed to lose, that sort of thing. But at the same time, they're like a lot of people really love the fiction and love the worlds. Like, you know, what game world, like any kind of game, like really is compelling to you, and why, and why doesn't it get in the way? Like when you're actually playing in that world. Do you like, know what I mean? I would like to throw one thing out right on, right off the bat. You said, well, some of them aren't compelling. 
But I think among the ones that are sort of A-lister products, you know what I mean? My top sellers. Oh, yeah. To a man, every one of them is actually a very compelling narrative. Mm -hmm. even, the com even the narrative of magic. Mm -hmm. Which you know is does that play a huge role in people playing? There are some really punchy uh, flavor text on cards, though. Yeah. There, there's, there's there's also been but you brought up the other day the warlords, yeah. war lovers, trying to figure out why uh, they haven't made a D and D magic setting, and I don't remember the answer is long and drawn out because yeah, they don't like money. For some reason, <laughs> yeah. basically, but they not just exactly. Like, Mirrored in player's handbook. Yes. Like, oh god. Um, <laughs> I think it's the other way around, yeah. Although you wouldn't sell as many. No, one of the one of the Watsi guys actually got on a, a Reddit uh, AMA or whatever and talked about it. Oh, was article. Was on yesterday. What did he say? It was amazing. I don't remember. I didn't read the whole article. I just skimmed together. it. So my memory is, is crappy. They, um, they also haven't brought any D and D stuff into a magic set. I think they really don't like cross pollinating the uh, mm -hmm. the, the franchises there. I think yeah. they wouldn't want to risk merging them and thereby <laughs> sweating. Huh? Sorry. Go on. <laughs> Sweating some business that like they could have gotten from a, a person doing both, hmm. and then a person's like, "Well, now I'll just do one thing or the other because I can get my fix for this particular thing that I'm a fan of." Right. They're like, "I love Theros, but I'd way rather buy Theros role-playing books than sets." Yeah. It's because you don't marry your daughter to your own bannerman. You want to go outside of your house. <laughs> <laughs> but you need to get new point. people in. I, I don't. I can't actually think of uh, a setting that I don't really find compelling. Like, so, well, I mean, because you forget that game immediately and never pay attention to it. Yeah. So I'll give you an example of one that I don't love, and that's Forgotten Realms. Mm -hmm. Forgotten Realms has some specific pieces that I think are compelling, but it is such a kitchen sink with such like overdeveloped, overpowered characters in it mm. that it... It doesn't really do it for me. Like, you can't tell a story that isn't Baldur's Gate, that isn't you're the son of a god or destined to become a god, because... If you're not, then who the hell are you? You're just another peon in a world filled with, like, 30th level mages. You know what I mean? Yeah. Great Uncle Mordenkainen's stories were way more interesting than yours. Exactly. Well, that was, that was like, and I mean, 30th level, 30th level characters back when there were only 20 levels. Now, like, 50th level characters. You know what I mean? Like, so, so I mean, like, that to me, that's a setting that is not well-developed. It's, it's a mishmash. It's very... And playing in that setting is difficult because when you have players that know the setting... Mm -hmm. It's just like trying to run Star Wars if you don't really know the Star Wars mythology with someone who's really married to the Star Wars mythology. Right. Well, you know that's what? why well, I've asked Joanna to run Star Wars rather than running it myself. Because <laughs> while maybe I would have a better grasp of the mechanics, I think she would Probably. have a better grasp of the setting, which in a role-playing game I think is actually going to be more important. Mm -hmm. Like, um, Especially if we were more focused on the story than kick down the door and kill some monsters. Yes. Speaking of Star Wars, I think astrophysics provides an excellent analogy for this phenomenon. Because if a, if a fandom is good, if a narrative is good, it attracts more stuff into it. As more people you know, play yeah. it, as it becomes more popular, it grows. But D&D, &D, great granddaddy of you know, many of these like game settings... Right, the Warhammer 40k world was a lot less rich when D and D was still around. I mean, I've been, I think that it is our. No, you know what? D and D is older. Yeah, yeah. D and D is about ten years older than Warhammer. So, mm, no, more than that. Really? 
Right? Yeah. Warhammer was like yeah. 88, right? The really? guy was, was working 70. on it while it was yeah. Yeah. It was like yeah. It was like 85, I think, 88, yeah, okay. somewhere in there. War- yeah. Warhammer Fantasy is older than 40K also. Yeah. yeah. So Games Workshop has been around longer than 40K. Well, anyway, my point is, D- er, Forgotten Realms and the D&D narrative at large has become like a neutron star. It's gotten too big where now everything just just flattened against the immense gravity of its existing canon. There is there there's no more there's no more room for you know attractive trees to go on the surface of this planet because everything is flattened against what has already existed. So I guess maybe there's a lifespan to these things because I feel like the 40k world is kind of starting to suffer from a little of that as well. It hasn't actually updated in I think like two editions. They yeah they it's because they're afraid yeah, to move forward. They were they well, were well, they did a whole bunch slowly. of stuff with like the Tau with yeah. especially with Farside Enclave. They've been moving at like, like a glacial pace. Yeah, well like but as far, I'm the not Imperium sure story though is the same. Worth calling moving. You know. Yeah. Um this is the this is actually interesting though that we talk about these these so that you would have the most knowledge of the, the universe itself. A lot of it though is what makes a game what makes game play compelling, especially in role playing games, is is the it's not the details of the story, although that can be important to certain people. People that have server simulation spent, if you want to use DNS, but the tropes and the structure of the stories. If you're trying to simulate Star Wars, then there are certain tropes that you want to use and certain pacing that you want to use that's going to be different yeah. than a DnD game. Well, I think just the, and that may lead be more the. What you're saying is like the canon or whatever, but I feel like just the theme, like the Star Wars theme. Well, themes too, um, yeah. Is is kind of the important thing in Star Wars because it's huge universe. Yeah, you but can but at the same time, stuff. it's it's a samurai story in space, and if you get yeah. away from that, sorry, Caitlin, you were gonna say. Um, I was wondering what people thought about Exalted, because uh, <laughs> I fucking hate Exalted. Um, I, I like the story. I hate the game. Well, here's the thing. Here's where I, how I feel. Like there's there's like there are things about the story of Exalted that I actually really like. Not all of it, um, but I really dislike the game intensely. And I I kind of wonder about the like clearly having compelling bits isn't enough in that interaction. Though I think probably in Exalted's part, it's just shitty. Mechanics. You know what happens in games like that is that people. People love the fiction so much that they play the game and then don't engage the mechanics. They say, oh, we don't roll dice, yeah. but once a session. It's actually, it's no, not, that's not entirely... Most Exalted players engage dice like motherfuckers. Oh my well, god. Well, because I think yeah, most Exalted yeah. players are, are the type of people who want to engage the dice all the time. Oh, it's part of how um, Apocalypse World came about by them playing Ars Magica and like refusing to use the mechanics for so long. We were just like, fuck it, we're going to do this ourselves. And Vincent Baker has a crap ton to say about engaging and not engaging the mechanics, and you can go read that online, I don't need to uh, reiterate what he says here, but basically, it's the whole boxes and clouds thing, it's the whole, if you're just sitting in the fiction and spinning and not engaging the mechanics, you need a better game, mm-hmm. you know, your world may be wonderful, but you need a better game. Yeah. The, there was there was a discussion online about um, what settings couldn't you couldn't hack to use the Apocalypse World Engine. Oh, that sounds like a fun thought exercise. A lot of people were posting stuff, and almost everyone was like, "Now, yeah, I would totally do that." I came up with one though that I'm pretty sure wouldn't work for Apocalypse World because Apocalypse World is too crunchy, and that is Baron Munchausen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's about it. Well, I shouldn't say that. I don't even know what I'm talking about. No, no, no. I, I, think, I think you're on to something right, actually. Yeah. Because like, the, um, there's because a lot of Baron Munchausen, it's 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 the whimsy, it's yeah. the creativity and. Mechanize, <coughs> excuse me, mechanizing any of that is going to be, 
You're going to lose something no. there. I, I'm making eye contact with Duncan, and I'm betting he's thinking the same thing I was thinking about, uh, which was that actually I think that the Warhammer fantasy setting defies Apocalypse World as well. Because no. an Apocalypse World is too easy to survive. <laughs> they made a role-playing game for Warhammer no. Fantasy that's like built around making it's... you feel ineffectual. Apocalypse World has harm moves. I, and I don't yeah. think yeah. these exist in Dungeon World. Yeah, but... And you can it's basically ass. designed to hand your ass to you. Yeah. It's like, haha, have you been injured? Well, here's some insults! Just play Monster, Monster Hearts without Darkest Self. Boom, yeah. you're yeah. like yeah. even more lethal than uh, Warhammer could hope to be. Yeah. But then Monster well, Hearts Express will come back most yeah. of the time. Yeah, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay is pretty brutal. <laughs> you know what, though? Um, <laughs> well, it's designed to accentuate like, that sense I think, of helplessness and goodness. You're, you're a charcoal gatherer. Yeah. Now you're fighting an orc. <laughs> oh, you, now you're dead. <laughs> I think you both enjoyed that $30 you spent. I heard it improved in later editions <laughs> for being yeah. a, a charcoal burner or a camp follower. Like, one of the classes was you're one of the widowed women that follows, uh, like, war camp around to, like, pour yourself out for free. <laughs> that is exactly that's what Warhammer amazing. fans want. Oh it's the real God. experience of war. You know, that's all I really wanted to play when I started playing role-playing games. Like nine. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure like dwarf is probably the de facto best oh class in that. Yes, yeah, because I think honestly, I think wrong. you're both right because I think the fact is that Apocalypse World Engine is good for ensemble cast dramas. If you are not an ensemble cast drama, you should probably consider another system. Dungeon World honestly is only tangentially suited. Yeah. Like they've done some things to create intra-party intra -party drama so that you could turn it into an ensemble cast drama because otherwise you wouldn't be able to. Like, and I think I think you're absolutely right. If you're just a bunch of people fighting in an army together, there are Apocalypse World games that do that. Like, uh, oh, frick. I'll, I don't remember what the name of it was. This one, The Regiment. That's the yeah. one. But, like, that's expecting a lot more personality on the part of individual units than I think you can muster in a, for in a Warhammer world. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Where everyone know. is expendable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some of us have a tendency to ascribe a lot of personality to our enemies. Oh, yeah, right, you, yeah, with your... Yeah. Well, or that one skeleton that you've got, or that one zombie you've got that uh, I insist is a skeleton. Yeah. With the I've pants. got all sorts of zombies you know with what? great personalities. Then I challenge you, find the regiment and hack it for Warhammer. No. <laughs> no. I... I found the regiment and couldn't figure out how to hack it for the regiment. <laughs> that, that was another cover. Could looked at it and was like, nah. I need to read this now. I've, I've never heard of this. It it's was one of the of early, early, game. early AW. It has, has like 24 children. basic moves and 17 it's, stats. It, it was, it was not... Wow. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm lying. I'm just okay. lying. It, it was, it was, it was roundly, it was roundly criticized for being, basically being... One of the very early AW hacks. I mean, that's really all you can say about Seems it. Is fair. yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. It was well intentioned. Like an concept. It absolutely is. Well, it's like it's yeah. like it has the same thing. Like like the uh, the 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 sergeant gets XP when like one of his soldiers, you know, it's kind of like the chosen gets XP when one of his friends gets hurt and he can't do anything about it. The same thing, or he doesn't do anything about it. The sergeant has one, or, the, or lieutenant, or whatever, has one of the same type of moves where it's like it's all set up to be a war drama without a whole lot of fighting. If that makes sense. It sounds really intriguing. I think it could work. I haven't, I haven't read it deeply enough to really understand how it works, though. I, I've always wanted to... There, there's certain genres which only work in a war setting, like, like for instance, mechs. Mm -hmm. And I've always wanted to do a mech whoa, game. Whoa, what about packing and unpacking crates? 
Regardless. It's amazing. <laughs> Wait, painting like, things and stripping them of paint and painting them again? Yeah. <laughs> Look at the post-war system. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, I was going to say, it'd be an interesting, I, interesting way of solving that problem. Yeah. Of doing a, a something that, some sort of universe dealing with an army without actually I've being actually, the Actually, you and I should talk, because this is a thing that I have wanted to build forever, and these guys can tell you that I've wanted to build this forever. The animesque mecha... With, like, a little bit younger protagonists. And I've done mm-hmm. some work towards hacking it, but they're really just hacks on AW. They're not... It's not its own system. Right. We should talk. But we're getting... We're, we're drifting, and this is a fine conversation, but, like, what other what other settings do people find, like, that, that like, really draws them in, and then they don't mind the fact that there's this big, heavy setting sitting on them? <clears throat> are, are we limited to, like, tabletop? No. And stuff like that? I don't think so. Okay. I got any games really. I got more of a counter example, but I think that it. Oh. After you're done. Yep, no, go. go. Okay. The um, <laughs> you're trying, trying to stop me from talking is like trying to you know stop a river. Hey, wait, could you stop talking? No. Anyway, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> there's a game that is not not a, not a very popular game in fun and games, even though it is a very popular game, especially in America at large, called War Machine, and it's mm. and it's sister game Hordes. And I have theorized for a while that... Now, I actually have played the game, and the mechanics of the game don't suck. I like the game. Um, But I have theorized that one of the reasons that War Machine and Hordes have a hard time really catching on in fun and games is because of me personally. Like, from the very beginning, I've observed that whatever game I play is the game, like, that other people play. When I picked up UFS, that was when we had the big boom of UFS, you know what I mean? Warhammer, when I bought the store, I played Fantasy, but not 40K. And 40K, which had always been more popular, like, at every game store ever, dropped, and Fantasy got picked up. But I cannot engage the storyline of Iron Kingdoms. The Iron Kingdoms are the place where, where War Machine and Hordes happens. And it's not that it isn't a really cool... St- like setting because it is awesome it is an absolutely just thrilling setting and relatively original too i say relatively because it's very hard to be truly original in the fantasy genre like it is just you know that that floor has been painted into the very (laughs) tiniest crannies but uh they've got really they did do a lot of steampunk before steampunk became really Mm. popular Uh, but i I feel like they actually also are not as beholden to the world of steampunk as 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 classic steampunk they've actually got more of a fantasy steampunk and less of a victorian steampunk yeah which is a little unusual and they've thrown the sort of like multi-racial D type world where you've got elves and dwarves and things like that except they don't I mean, I guess they do have an elf analog and a dwarf analog, but nobody pays attention to them. It's like the Trollkin and, you know, the Scorn. But anyway, you were saying. In that game, the <laughs> rules of the game really explicitly command the player to engage the fiction on a level that, I f- that, that made me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> my Warhammer army, as everyone knows, is very, you know built around my personality and it's like sort of an original thing and like everything else I do has to be 90 degrees from the rest of the world so I have a fanatical feminist ogre dictator <laughs> um in but she's in, awesome in Warhammer you, you make up your own you know you can make up your own narrative you can use the characters like the named characters in the book they're like oh you know this guy is a famous person from the Empire Wolfric Helmet, whatever. The um, I can't remember. It's <laughs> a wonderful name. The world okay, in, 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 <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm rambling. In War Machine, the only this. characters are their named characters, members of the narrative, people with novels written about them. You may not. You may not. The book says this in these words: <clears throat> make up your own character. 
At best, you are a person pretending to be this person because the reputation of a famous war leader can always be stolen by pretending to be them and killing them. Which is their excuse for two people fielding the same named person on the field. But they are super adamant about you, like, cleaving tightly to their existing narrative and not in any way trying to play, trying to carve out your own little sandbox in their world. So world's. now, Duncan, you've played, I- point of view. you've played Iron Kingdom's, um, the role-playing game. Did you feel yeah. the same way about the fiction? Oh, well, I mean... That it was highly constraining that way, or...? No, the role-playing game is not constraining at all. You make yeah. you make your character. Yeah, okay, like, totally. It's absolutely <laughs> the same as other role-playing games. I mean, and and with the the great backdrop that Iron Kingdoms has, so... So it sort of was just an asset it's, for the role-playing game. It's a it's a detriment for the, the tabletop minis well, game. Only because well, of the way I feel yeah, like the tabletop minis the way game they insists on forcing yeah. yourself. Like, yeah. So you had a thing to say. I had a completely, like, this is several houses over in the neighborhood That's fine. that we're talking about. You want to about. cover the whole neighborhood. Fine. Yeah. We can drive there this quick. is pretty far away. Um, so the first thing that came to my mind when you were talking about fluff, backstory, and lore made me think about how infrequently I actually really research the backstory of games that I play. It's very rare that I really dig into anything most of the time. I just sort of touch on things as far as I need to understand them. But one of my favorite times I ever had was strangely back when I played World of Warcraft with Patrick. And what happened to me in World of Warcraft is I didn't know really anything about it. I didn't play the Warcraft games. I didn't know who any of these people were. I was just running around doing things. And every so often you would be running around in the forest killing bears. And then you'd find a very strange and intriguing statue. And I would, like, run up to it and, like, keep looking at it. And Patrick's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what is this statue, Patrick? And he's like, I don't know. And then you'd kill a bear and it would drop its journal. And you would read a journal page. And it would explain. <laughs> you yawn You were in Stranglethorn Vale. <laughs> uh, that Yon's statue is built in honor of ye old awesome... literary bears yeah literary bears but you know yeah so then you know some bit of text like a little readable little snippet would tell you what this statue is about and why it's like this and it was immensely intriguing to come across an artifact that made me interested in the story that was behind it rather than being like oh this is the story and oh i find the statue that goes with it and interact with it um and i've never really i've had few games that I've played where a mechanic or a detail in something has intrigued me in such a way that makes me look up the lore. I have used that as a mechanic in a game before. When I ran Savannah Greyhawk, mm-hmm. and you guys explored that ruin, do you remember you could get these crystals or something or other that would activate locks and they would activate things? And right. so one of the things that could activate was there were statues where if you act you spend a crystal to activate the base it would tell you a little bit of the story of the of the of the culture that had built it. Uh-huh. Um, because this story, this statue was dedicated to blah 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 and who did this and did this and did this. And you guys spent a goodly number of those crystals unlocking those statues to hear world backstory. Good. I don't remember this specifically, but I'm glad we did that. That good behavior I wanted us to uh, pursue. It's funny because oh, you I was just gonna say 
Um, knowing that bears have journals makes it much more believable that they also have money and other yeah. things that you commonly yeah. find when you kill them. <laughs> I just like to believe that all the monsters had their own underground black market economies, and that's why they were carrying currency and items trying so, to get Caitlin, to bear market. Oh, that's like you were saying. Yeah. No, we'll get to you. Bear market. Bear market. Oh. <laughs> the under bear market. Um. It's it's funny because like I have I have a kind of an opposite experience with with games yeah. because, um, like for example, forty k tried to get into playing forty k, but what engaged me was the fluff. So I know like shitloads of obscure forty k fluff, with the exception of some like little stuff about like the Eldar, and like I consumed all of that <laughs> and internalized it into my being, and uh, but you know I couldn't tell you, you know, how to do a turn. <laughs> Not at this point. I've completely forgotten. And it's like that with so many of these, with a lot of these games that I come across with, like, the same thing with Iron Kingdoms. Um, Caitlin was Skaven inside and out. Yeah, Skaven. And, like, the problem with a lot of these is that, like, I was so much more interested that the fluff was too engaging to me. Mm. I had the you know what I, I I bought the three five Forgotten Realms manual to get ideas for cultures and things and it turns out a lot of it sucks but like like I would never play in that setting but I would steal shit from that for stories or for other games or something like that like sometimes the fluff it's just inspiration for you to do other okay. things with L you had a thing you wanted to say well I, I was gonna make a joke about the bears but it's wrong <laughs> no, no no it's um it's really hard I, I feel like I'm like confessions like, of juggling here with like eight people at the table it's a three five uh knowledge nature joke I, <laughs> go ahead no no now oh, we won't have to okay. hear it I was making so um <laughs> we can always end it back there, there, there's yeah. well I also have a comment on, on topic but um <laughs> the, the, the bear thing I, is um Itaira's talking about having like underground bear black Mark. markets and shit um, there, there's a, I, I forgot where it originated, but there's a joke about 3-5 with, like, Knowledge Nature, and you, you can, and, like, in the books, they have, like, under, or in the B-series, they have, like, listings of, like, okay, if they roll a 15, this is what information they get. Mm -hmm. If they roll a 20, this is what, you know, that sort of thing. So the bears, it's like, bears live in caves. <laughs> bears eat, you know, bear, bears are herbivores, and, like, it's really mundane shit, and so they decided to expand it a little bit. And so it's like... Fun fact. <laughs> it's like, you know, bears, um... Uh, no, bears, do, uh, I think it was like a 25 or a 30. It's bears do not have, uh, do not have clerics. Bears, you know, <laughs> bears are really bad at algebra. You get like a 30. Bears have very intricate societies, you know. And then you go, and it's like, it skips all the way down like a 45. Oh shit, we were wrong with the clerics. Run! <laughs> um, anyway, on topic... I um I really kind of feel what Caitlin was saying. I get mm -hmm. into games first and foremost because of the fluff. Malifaux, Mercs, 40K, all of those games I got into because I was interested in the universe first. Um, and in fact, even if a game has pretty models, like or like or if mechanics are good, I might play it occasionally, but it's not going to be one I'm really going to spend time investing in mm -hmm. unless I really am invested in the world. Um, and that's one thing, what, what you're saying about with 40k and, and, and fantasy, where it allows you to kind of make your own fluff. Mm -hmm. Like, my, my Tau faction, that I, I, I've named characters and shit, I've just made up, you know? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And to me, that's very important. Uh, very, very important to have 
like even the level of the, expression, the, the yeah. level of personal expression. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that you saying that, and after like, no, no, what are you saying? I was gonna say, I was all I was gonna say was that the the best settings are really have a bunch of really deep stuff in them that give uh, color and flavor to the world, but have enough empty spaces and enough underspecified and are sort of wide open so that you can create your own stories within them. That's all I want to say. You put air holes in the neutron star so it's less dense. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's like a wiffle neutron star. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you were going to say, Jenna. Oh, okay. uh, I was going to say that Didn't you saying interrupt. that sparked a trend that I noticed in myself. I don't think it's that I don't engage with world stuff, it's that I am more interested in exploring a world than engaging it. So that's why my favorite video games are Metroid and Legend of Zelda, rather than yeah. Final Fantasy. Because in Final Fantasy, you know... It's more about the story. It's more about the, the storyline, and not about like going to a place and exploring a ruin. I What's in the ruin? I, I don't away. know. Right. Let's find Skyrim. out. Skyrim. Yeah, that yeah. is exactly how I play oh. the Elder Scrolls games and Fallout. That's why I, yeah. like, I love Fallout so much. It's like the whole... Because it is entirely about exploring the setting. Yeah. The there's a building and it could have stuff Spades, hearts, diamonds, and gloves. story. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a player typology in, specifically in computer games and typically online games, Spades, hearts, diamonds, and clubs. Spades are diggers. They're the people that want to explore the world and find all the, the underground ruins and nooks and crannies and find out what happened to the dwarves after all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hearts are all about the social interaction. Diamonds are all about achievement. Um, mm. if, if, they, if there are achievements or, or, or they want to get the fancy showiest armor to show off to everybody else. And then... Um, Clubs, well, clubs just want to beat other people up. <laughs> That's <laughs> perfect! Is, That's me, I'm a club. There's a, uh, it, it's, it's not just four points, it's actually a, uh, it's a grid. Did. Because Almost, yeah. it's it's social versus personal uh, reward. Oh, and oh yeah, 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 Environment versus player interaction. So if you have a social reward with the environment... That's a heart where you just want to do something with other people. You want yeah. to explore with other people. If you have a personal, then that's a spade where you want to uh, explore the environment for yourself. If you have a social player-based response, you want to fight other players, and that's a club. And if you have a personal or... or a private... Diamond. Di yeah, diamond. Would be <laughs> I'm getting confused again. No, <laughs> diamond is winning private, for yourself because you're yeah, getting on your own. It's fighting. Versus no, you just want to beat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's fighting versus explore. Maybe it's fighting versus exploring. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, social wait. versus personal. Yeah. And then so what happens if it's fighting versus exploring? What happens if, say, you're like me or or Will? And your goal is to say explore the whole capital wasteland with nothing but our fists. <laughs> well, I, I mean, that's, that's still why it's a grid. Yeah, 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 it's a grid. But it's spade with diamond sprinkled yeah. in. No, no, no uh, categorization of gamers is perfect. That's no. why GNS only works so well. And GNS is really designed to categorize games, not gamers. Yeah. Uh, some people prefer certain aspects of games. That's a mistake people make. Like, I'm a simulationist. No. You like games which are simulationist probably for different reasons. I would call you a crazy diamond. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but actually, that's and that's another thing is that like those those impulses, those impulses can cause friction between. Is that the right word? Between people who um, are playing like a game like Star Wars is a great example of this, right? You have people that are want to play the Star Wars games because they are engrossed in the Star Wars mythology. They want to build their own lightsaber. They want to pilot a ship like the Millennium Falcon and they want to actually run the Kessel Run which evidently is around a black hole or something in less than so many parsecs 
No, it's uh, only in so, less than so many parsecs if you go next to the black hole. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. of the time. Because anyways, um, <laughs> the point being... No, parsecs is a distance. Yes. It's the Kessel run. He, he made it yeah, shorter by I mean. cutting... That's what I mean. Caitlin's like, poking fun at it. Yeah. 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 We're making fun of it. It's in, okay. In the original interpretation, it was that he was supposed to be bullshitting to impress... Yeah, no, no. The, yeah, the actual story is he is... He's, he's <laughs> totally talking nonsense. <laughs> and he screws up time for space. And then they felt the need to justify and it. And then, then the fans justified it, yeah. which I think became well, ascended canon at some point. I think partially was that they, they couldn't really make that come across in post. Yeah. Anyway... The, yes, that's, that's the story. <laughs> I'm just being the, we can look that up. They couldn't clean it up. The, in the listeners can look that up. But no, they, <laughs> just, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff I can't fix in post either. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, but 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 and then there's people that really want to tell the samurai in space story. They want to tell they want to tell the morality play, and those are often at odds when you have people because sometimes what's best for story is not what's best for realism. Like there's no way the imperial troopers could have gotten there and. Headed you off there, but well, if we got there and there was no one waiting for us there, it wouldn't have been an interesting story. Mm-hmm. I have an Iron Kingdoms campaign story that is exactly this, and I was wondering if there would be a proper time to tell it. And now, and now, now is that time. That, that is that time. <laughs> I know so, going to tell it. It's an excellent story for this example. You might Go ahead. Know. I don't know. Um, so during during Conrad's Iron Kingdoms <laughs> campaign, that I'm sure people heard a lot about, like last year, uh, there was one guy who knew all the fluff for Iron Kingdoms. And then there were like five guys who knew some amount of fluff for Iron Kingdoms. So at one point, Conrad gave us a teleportation circle. Apparently in Iron Kingdoms, you cannot have a teleportation circle that is not powered by infernal magic. Because it says so in the book somewhere. We never bothered to verify this. But one player, the one guy who knew the fluff, was deeply, deeply upset by this. We got this teleportation circle and he was like alright well I guess it's powered by infernal magic let's not do anything with that and Conrad's like does anyone want to make a like arcana check and so we did and he's like oh it's powered by runic magic who knew who knew it's perfectly safe guys and this guy's like no it's not it's a lie it's powered by infernal magic till like <laughs> somehow you proved to me otherwise which you can't because it's so so like the universe says so in the just book. the DM and stuff a yeah. lawyer yeah, it, <laughs> it actually happens a it lot. Fluff lawyer, lawyer in strange. established campaign settings, fluff lawyer happens all the fucking time. It, it happens but, a lot in Star Wars. Yeah, oh, like, it's, yeah. so much. Oh, yeah. Where there's like one person who's so much more than everyone else. Because they read all of the expanded yeah. universe. Star Wars and Star Trek, I would imagine, are the two settings in which it happens the worst. There, there's actually a the clever way around this. Like, the best way around this I ever yeah. heard was. It's um, an alternate universe reboot of Star Trek, so it doesn't matter. Basically. <laughs> this guy was playing a Babylon 5 game. And he decided, he told his players straight up, because they were all, like, major Fab Five fans. They all, they'd seen every episode, read all the all the side fluff and everything like that. He's like, okay, we're going to play on Fab Five. You guys are going to replace certain characters. Other than that, it's going to be exactly as it was, except that I'm going to change up the story, however I see fit. <coughs> characters will be there. You don't know if they're going to be the exact same characters, what's going to happen. Like, he kept it close enough that it was still Babylon 5. So you were saying, yeah, so he, they sort of created, say, this is an alternate timeline, people may yeah. or may not be the same as they were, but don't like, get too upset. Like, like, he kept things there, so they were, it was still recognizable, but he just told them, heads up, I'm going to change random things. Mm-hmm. You know, which I thought was a really clever way of doing it. Well, because you're setting expectations, you're mm-hmm. saying, like, like well, yeah, we're playing within the blank universe, but 
don't expect it like the exact same timelines. Don't expect the exact same events. Don't expect the exact same characters. If you see somebody you recognize, they may behave differently. Mm-hmm. Set expectations, and then the person who's like, "But I wanted to play with Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader," can leave. Well, and, and in some ways, you are kind of playing with Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, just not the same ones. Yeah, they're just different. I mean, yeah. because it's really the tropes you enjoy, not necessarily the characters. Precisely. Well, well and not necessarily the situations always. Exactly. And also, if everything is the same, there's no surprises. If you're, mm-hmm. if the DM yeah. reserves the right to change a little bit, then you've got the players wondering, all right, where is the thing that's different going to be the whole time? And mm-hmm. it's not, oh God, he better not change anything. It's can I figure out what's different before it's too important? And this actually goes along with that whole time travel principle, the idea that if, if anyone goes back to the Cretaceous era, it's always right before the asteroid hits, right? Like, if anyone goes back to, you know, the, the Civil War, it's always right before a major battle or right before Lincoln gets shot. Mm. There's there's this idea that, like, these established settings, the pieces, I mean, the Star Wars universe, any of these universes have thousands of years of history. The Iron Kingdom universe, the, the Warhammer universe, have thousands of years of history what they can cover in these books is tiny fragments of that. There is a tremendous amount of history, whole battles, whole civilizations, even in the real world, that are in like big black holes. And Will can talk when he gets back from whatever he's doing. He can talk about this. We have no idea. We know that there were whole civilizations that lived and fought and died, and all we have left is some ruins and some shards of pottery. Mm-hmm. And anything could have happened, right? Mm-hmm. And like. Seeking out those because the world is still compelling. The world still has that that depth and all of that interest in it. But seeking out the empty, the blank spaces, or seeking out the the semi blank spaces, or creating a blank space by saying, "I'm erasing some or all of the the setting that you know." You know. I feel like you shouldn't be afraid to just say fuck it and like do something. I have to. You should never to, be afraid to just say a, fuck a, it. Uh, shout out to Sean, who knows who he is at UNCA. If he's um, if he's listening, which he might be, uh, had a very dark, very serious Star Wars campaign in the middle of which we in met Zap Brannigan. <laughs> well, <laughs> and um, later in that came Admiral Wuggles. That's a different story, but Admiral Wuggles actually sounds like the name of a you could have of a. It was a character. cyborg teddy bear. Okay, that's not what I would expect, but sure. He was my yeah. cyborg teddy bear. Yeah. Anyway, started out very serious. He was also an admiral. It was still Star Wars. It was Star Wars as fuck. He had a fleet of one ship. <laughs> just it just so happened that Zap ran again and Kiff were there and well, we kind of ran into them in their ship. We were in a lot of trouble. But the point is you can still just say fuck it. <laughs> he had a little pirate hat. <laughs> I briefly ran two thirds of a three shot set in uh, the in, in Westeros. Mm-hmm. And it. Why it was two thirds of a three shot can be saved for another day. <laughs> but moral of the story is I like hunted around through Game of Thrones stuff to find a place where a lot of stuff was going on that was not was not elaborated on and would never be elaborated on and set it there. That's awesome. White Harbor. <laughs> where did you put it? No, White Harbor. Psh. They're always there. No, I put it in the Riverlands. That's awesome. I was like, so Gregor Clegane is burning the Riverlands to the fucking ground, and you guys are near there. <laughs> Do a thing. Like, were we able to get ahead of him? Hmm. Oh, you guys were just in a slightly different part. I don't think it's you a guys. Joke about Do we cut off his supplies? Hey. 
I saw a picture the other day <laughs> of all five books that have been written so far stacked up with little colored posted oh, yeah. uh, tabs. Everyone has died, yeah. That was pretty epic. Yeah, what was, what was strangely functional about it was the fact that all of the action takes place at such a high level that the, the ants of the story are invisible. Like, yeah. anything could be going on. You could set a story, a, a game in King's Landing, and it could be like straight canon. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it, it could just be like there. people surviving in the streets I, of the city yeah, and like, I, who the fuck cares? Uh, yeah, exactly. It could be the level of political intrigue between two different like, uh, guild factions. You could see yeah. Joffrey rolling through the streets. Yeah. Why not? Throw shit at him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that happened then in the book. Try, then try and evade the guard. <laughs> you, are, you are now a character in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Probably won't get a name, but that's okay. <laughs> I would actually be really impressed if you set something like in Game of Thrones. Where it was like, it, it wasn't quite, it was in the, the crack, so to speak. And then the players knew Game of Thrones well enough, they worked themselves into the canon. As like, the people throwing shit, or you know, the unnamed little person, <laughs> you, you know. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. I, I would be really impressed. Walking into four houses and by Littlefinger, that would be a fun game. That sounds like an awesome, I'd like to hear about that campaign. I want to get a golden hand necklace. That, that, that reminds me, has there been any progress on getting a hold of a playtest copy of uh, Oh, Scup. Um, no. Okay. But I can, like, I need to bug Todd before yeah, he has a baby, so. Because <laughs> then I'm not going to be able to get anything out of him. That's, yeah. I'm playing with him on Tuesday. Uh, I think we're going to do the community radio, the Night Vale, um, uh, role-playing game, although we haven't decided exactly yet, so. All these things ever shaped time well, haha, take that grad student. <laughs> but um, okay, Caitlin, I'm right there with you. I will I will <laughs> twist his arm about getting the playtest for that because fuck, Scup is awesome. <laughs> Have we told you about this? Not even at all. The Sword of the Crown the Unspeakable Power is a She's not actually read or seen Game of Thrones. It doesn't matter. It's a yeah. dark fantasy political industry, Game of Thrones inspired Terrible, awful thing. Apocalypse World it. Hack. It, yeah, it might be. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm lazy and I don't like reading big things. So, <laughs> I've, got the, I've got the audiobook on it's hold. It's not on Netflix! That's I, true. I've, I've I had the first Blu-ray. season of it. Do you want to borrow the first season? I, I have it on Blu-ray. No. Anyway. Yeah, there you go. Either way. Well, so, I have my Blu-ray work anymore because it's my uh, old laptop. Well, or my new, my new old laptop. You can watch it here. Either way. It's okay. I, I sh- <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. I was gonna say. Um, does anyone else want to? Does anyone else want to add anything before we wrap the discussion up? Um, on, I, I did want to ask if anyone else had interest in the strange, the Monty Cook, Numenera, multi world weirdness what RPG. It's okay. ending in like two hours. It's ending. What's this? the Kickstarter? Yeah. What is oh, okay. I was like, I almost back. That sounds like a cool RPG. I wish I'd known about it before it was. I might throw money at it if it's. About it. it is a sort of parallel world thing where, like, when you swap between dimensions or whatever, you sort of have to make a new character based on your current character or something. Yeah, um, basically, each world has its own rules, and so you have different characters that do different things depending on which world you're in. I can't get on Kickstarter. My altruism bug gets in. I know. Like, oh God, no, stop me! That's honestly why I. I do you know why I don't have a problem with Kickstarter? Jew. <laughs> See, that's why. That's why I'm married to Will. He saves me. It's I true, cannot yeah. bring myself that's to why I don't throw money at a thing that isn't entirely compelling to me. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why Yanni and I have such a problem because we both Kickstart a lot, and so we each just show each other new Kickstarters we haven't seen before. Well, you can hear some stereo from Kickstarters. Hmm? Yeah. 
So yeah, the, this is if you want all the settings. Oh, an alcohol mm-hmm. pump. This is if you want all the settings, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know, it looks kind of interesting and... Do the twashes? I, I'm not going to do it, I think, because I have a tendency to want the Dead Tree version yeah. of any books I have in case, you know, if we have the digital apocalypse and there's no power and whatever... You still I want just, to be able to play games but while you're dying of starvation and fighting off zombies. You'd be the horror. <laughs> He's already got a few moves from that playbook. <laughs> Do your games I think I might have collected them all. Do they? <laughs> Let's be honest here. The hoarder's gonna have all the moves. <laughs> I might even have a few moves from other playbooks. <laughs> I did that before they added more. That's too and bad. then I did that again, and then they kept adding more, and I was just like, fuck this noise. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think, that, I think that about sums up. Thanks, guys. That was actually pretty neat. This podcast is fully copyrighted by its hosts. Visit us at podcastmagicmissile.com. I Podcast Magic Missile, attacking the darkness since 2012.